You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Grab your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be camping out once again today. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to pick up with verse 1. You ready? Say amen. Grab your Bibles. Grab your apps. Oh, there, is a, there is a notes section on our app, so if you want to get a hold of that and dive into the Word, that would be awesome. You can ch- uh, there's a little notes tab, and you can read through the notes for today's teaching, and that would be awesome if, that, if that's what you feel so led to do. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's pick up with verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Amen? Can we read that together? We've never done that as a church. That'd be cool, y'all. Who wants to do something new and fun? All right, here we go. On the, on the count of three, we're going to read this. One, two, three. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So when you do that, you always get people that want to go a little faster. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. As we've made this journey into this building, and if you're new here, um, this is our third week in this facility, and this has been a journey of faith. Amen for those longtime vintage people. This has been a journey of faith. And all throughout this, as we've made these decisions and we've made the, the course to, to move into this space, we've been talking about what it really means to live by faith, to walk by faith, to understand that by faith, God can do really, really amazing things. But for us to walk by faith, we have to have a really good, clear understanding of what it is, of what it means, about what it's about. And the good thing is, Scripture gives us a pretty clear definition right there, right? Like if you ever wanted to know what faith was, like you don't have to go to Webster's Dictionary, you can just go to God's Word. Faith is assurance of what we hope for, confidence of what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And see, there's a problem with that, isn't there? Because by that definition of faith, we have to embrace the unknown. And that's the difficult thing about faith, is it not? When you walk by faith, there's so much unknown that you just have to deal with. And I like to have confidence in what I can see and assurance about what I can control. Anybody else would just like love for that verse to say that? Confidence in what I can see and assurance about what I can control. But that's just not how faith works. That if you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to embrace the unknown. And that's what we've been trying to do for some time now is figure out, all right, how do we embrace the unknown? What does that really look like? If we're going to walk by faith, not just in theory, but practically, like for real, walk by faith, what does that mean? And it's important for us to figure this out because as it says in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you see the importance of why we got to figure this faith thing out? You with me say amen? Talk to me, church. Because it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we're going to please God, and that's what we're supposed to be. We're God pleasers, not people pleasers. Amen? 
You say, how many of us, we've spent our entire life trying to please people and realized you know, the moment we get somebody happy, the next person's mad. So it's just, a, I saw some people go. Because I'm just like, am I, am I going to please him by raising my hand? <laughs> we want to please God. And who also knows that sometimes pleasing God really doesn't make some people happy. But the Bible says, without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But then I love what it says next because it kind of gives us some more insight into what faith really is about and what faith really produces in our lives. It says you have to believe, if you're going to come to him, you've got to believe he exists. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I believe deep within my heart when you walk by faith, you experience his favor. That when you walk in obedient faith, you experience God's extravagant favor. Come on. And I know, like, there's some people in the room, like, you, you pucker up a little bit when we start talking about favor. You get a little bit weird because you've heard different things and different preachers twist that in ways that Scripture doesn't really mean. But I believe that when you walk by faith, you always experience God's favor. But what we have to realize is God's favor comes in many forms. Come on. God's favor is not always the way we want it to be. Like, I would love it if God's favor always meant I was rich, but that's not the case. Amen, all the broke people. Amen. We got a church full of broke people. <laughs> How are we going to pay the bills? <laughs> but it's true, and you're going to really see that today. So we've been, we want, all right, if we want, if we're going to live by faith and we're going to experience God's favor, what does that really look like? And the cool thing is the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 continues to give us these real-world examples of what it means to walk by faith. And so we've been diving into those because all throughout the Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah, by faith, all these different people did these things. And this is how God showed up and manifested himself in, in their lives. And the reason why I think we can teach them is that the same God they serve is the same one we serve. The same God that showed up in their lives is the same God that can show up in ours. Come on. And so we started talking about Noah. And I don't know what stood out to you in that, in that teaching, but what, what hit me most, what I took away most from, from that, that message that God put on my heart was that complete surrender comes without complete certainty. That if you're going to live by faith, complete surrender comes without complete certainty. Like you can't wait to be certain to be surrendered to God. There's always going to be unknown, amen? There's always going to be questions and things that we can't figure out and things that we can't understand. And Noah was one of those people. You know, can you imagine if, 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 if Noah lived today? i got a neighbor. He's building a big boat. Somebody's in the popo because this guy's crazy. I don't know what's happening. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Noah to, to step out in faith? And you talk about embracing the unknown. Noah may have did it as much as anybody. But we're reminded, like, you can't wait for the rain to start building a boat. When God moves on your spirit, you've got to be obedient to that. And then last week, we looked at our man Abraham. And what a story and what a journey that he had. And, and the biggest thing that I took away from, from Abraham's story is that when you move forward in faith, you're always moving away from something familiar. And maybe the hardest thing about faith and the, maybe the reason why we get stuck in our faith is because we won't move forward because we know moving forward will cause us to walk away from something familiar. And we love familiar even when it's frustrating and not fruitful. We'll stay with it just because it's familiar. But if God's going to call you forward, you have to make sure that you're being obedient to that. Well, today, <clears throat> today's not going to be fun. Welcome to church. Um, because the story that I'm going to teach, most of it isn't fun. And, and I'll go ahead and say this. Today's sermon will be either the most encouraging or most depressing you've ever heard. So glad you gave up an hour and a half of your life 
to be here. I believe it. Because today we, we talk about Joseph. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Drop down to verse 22. Because there's another person of faith whose story that we've got to dig into a little bit. Whose story we've got to unpack and understand. And the Hebrew writer gives us very little insight into his story. Have you ever noticed as, you, as these different stories that the Hebrew writer gives us, some of them are, are, he gives us more detail than others. But this is what he says about Joseph in chapter 11, verse 22. It says, by faith, Joseph, when, he, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Now, if you're reading that chapter, you read that verse and you think, okay, so Joseph... About the time he was dead, spoke about the whole Moses thing and talked about his bones. The end. Like almost like, all right, what, Matt, where are you going, man? Like, what, what are we going to learn from this? But first, you, got, you have to understand, like, the context of what is happening here. It says, Joseph, when, when he was dead, when he, when he was coming to the end of his life, he was at a point where he speaks of something that was yet to come. Because faith is confidence in what we hope for and what we do not yet see. And this is Joseph speaking about a time when his people who are now in Egypt. See, Joseph at this point has just saved his family's life. Y'all remember this story? Some of y'all didn't grow up in church. Some of y'all didn't go to Sunday school like I did every day of my life for the, my entire childhood. It was great. <laughs> see, Joseph... He died, he, he died basically in the palace with a position of authority that God had granted him. And because of that position of authority, he was able to bring his entire family into the nation of Egypt and save their lives from a famine that killed most. But if you don't know the story, they ended up staying in Egypt longer than they were supposed to because that's the thing about God's people. We go where God wants us to go, but so often we stay a lot longer than he wanted us to. That may be the sermon for somebody in the room today. You're welcome. Five dollars. <laughs> but he says, there's going to come a time when, when, when we leave this place. But Joseph didn't start out in the palace. See, by faith, Joseph ended up in the palace. But it was a long journey to the, to the palace. And see, it's easy to look and see Joseph's story in this little snippet in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, and see him in the palace and not really understand all it took before he got there. Because I believe by faith we will always end up in a palace. But the journey to the palace might not be one that we would prefer. Come on, somebody. Because, see, Joseph's journey to the palace started in a pit. And involved a prison before he ever stepped foot in the palace. And so I want us to go back into his story. And I'm going to walk you through his story and walk you through the things that I think God has taught me over the last several weeks as I've been studying his story once again. And you're going to see something about faith that can I go, you, you might not really like. Or you might not really want to accept or understand. Because faith isn't always fun. Faith isn't always fun. And I don't know, maybe some well-intended preacher talk, told you something. You walk by faith, and, every, and you know what? Every day you'll see a unicorn and eat Lucky Charms for breakfast. And everything will be rainbows and Skittles and great, and everything's going to be awesome. 
But that's just not the case for most people who walk by faith in Scripture, especially for my man, Joseph. But he ended up in the palace because he walked by faith. But all throughout his entire story, you see that walking by faith became more and more and more challenging. And I want you to learn some things from his story that perhaps you desperately need to learn if you're going to move forward in your faith. So you ready to learn a little something from God's Word today? Come on, somebody. Let me hear some energy and excitement in the room. The first thing you need to know is that by faith, pain can produce progress. By faith, pain can produce progress. See, Joseph went through some really, really painful experiences. Joseph was a daddy's boy. Joseph's father, anybody know, was Jacob, whose father was Isaac, whose father was Abraham. These are people that you know. Joseph was, was the youngest of all his brothers, and he kind of was the apple of his dad's eye. And, you know, it's just a reminder, like, every parent has a favorite. You just can't tell them. That's just not good. Nobody's laughing because y'all think, he's terrible. you got a favorite. You just can't tell them that you're their favorite. <laughs> Joseph was Jacob's favorite. So much so, if you remember this, this story, he had a coat of many colors. And because of the favoritism that his father Jacob constantly showed him, his brothers began to resent him and began to hate him. It even says that, that they actually used that word. Genesis 37, 4 says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Can you imagine growing up in that home? And yeah, you know, Joseph didn't do a lot of things to kind of help his case at times because he kind of played into his father's favoritism. And then there comes a moment when Joseph has a dream where he, he, for, he, he sees that position that he's going to be in someday in the future where he's able to basically rule over his family. And he tells his brothers that story and they hate him even more. And that, like, you think you had chivalry rivalry, you know, that, all that whole deal with, with your brothers and sisters. Anybody ever, you know, some of us have grew up with brothers and sisters, and so you kind of somewhat relate to that. But can you imagine living in a home where your entire family, pretty much, other than your parents, hate you? And you have a dream, and you tell it to them. Like in verse Genesis 37, 5, it says, Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. But none of us have got to this point where one day his brothers are out and about and his father sends him to check on them. And this is what happens in verse 23. So when, Joseph's, when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. His brothers hate him so much like they have this debate, like let's just kill him. We all hate him. Let's just kill him. Let's just get rid of him. He's dad's favorite. He's always getting everything. He's getting the cool coats and all the, all the cool stuff. You know when dad dies, he's going to inherit it all because he's his favorite. Let's just kill him. And his brother Reuben has a crisis of conscience, if you don't remember the story. He says, you know, we can't kill him, but we can sell him into slavery. Good looking out, Reuben, right? And that's what they do. They end up selling him into slavery. You don't think that was painful? That even though maybe you had some tension with your brothers, that, that they would consider taking your life, throw you in a pit, and eventually sell you into slavery. You know, that's the worst kind. You know, the worst kind of pain is the pain inflicted by the people that you thought would protect you. 
the worst kind of pain comes from the people that you thought were supposed to love you. There's some people in the room, like you've been through painful experiences, you know what I'm talking about, because the people that were supposed to love you the most were the sources for some of your greatest pain. Come on. A mom who abused you, a dad who never cared about what you were doing and and never showed up and never gave you the love that you thought you would get from him or, or even from siblings, people that have hurt you and abused you and, and lied to you and, and done all these terrible things to you. Joseph went through some of the most pain, but Joseph is a great example that by pain, by faith, pain can produce progress. Come on. Because this is what I've learned about pain. We have one of two responses to pain. It'll either paralyze you or it'll push you. Pain will either paralyze you or it will push you. There are some people that you've been paralyzed by the pain of something that happened 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And God could have used it to push you if you would have let him. But the enemy has hijacked that pain and kept it deep-rooted in your heart and caused resentment and bitterness to build up. And all it has done is kept you stuck in a place that you don't have to be if you allow God to heal you and make you whole so that you can move forward. Pain, by faith, pain pain, pain can produce progress, but only by faith. When you allow God to deal with your pain... See, Joseph could allow this whole instance, this whole interaction with his brothers to paralyze him from ever being able to move forward and do anything significant again. But he didn't allow it because he saw the bigger picture and he knew God could use it. And for some of us, sometimes pain is the only thing that will push us forward. Sometimes pain is the only way to progress. Come on. And right now, and see, I've struggled with this my whole life because it's one of the things that's challenging about our faith sometimes is when we're walking by faith and we experience something painful. And we've all said this, how could a good, loving God allow something that bad to happen to me? Come on. How could I experience, or this is what we do. You know, we go through something painful and we believe it's from the devil. When I would submit to you, perhaps it could be from God. No way, Matt. God's too good. He would never allow, he would never use pain to create progress. Ask Jesus. It was the pain of the cross that created the progress necessary for you to experience salvation. So maybe that thing you're saying, devil, why are you letting this, why are you doing this to me? God's like, it's me. Feel it. Let it move you. Let it push you. Trust me. Trust me that I'm doing something here that maybe feels painful at the time but will bring you great pleasure somewhere in the future. But only by faith can you trust that's possible. Come on. Because if you don't see your pain through the lens of faith, it will paralyze you and keep progress from happening in your life. But Joseph knew, Joseph learned the hard way that pain by faith can produce progress. The second thing I learned from Joseph's story is by faith, prosperity can come in any position. By faith, prosperity can come in any position. Go on to verse uh, 39. After Joseph has been sold into slavery, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So Joseph goes from 
a pit to a slave. Moving up in the world. And some of us would be like, okay, like, what in the world, God? Like, I'm just trading one bad circumstance for another. You ever feel like you're there? You're just trading one crappy day for another crappy day. One bad season for another bad season. And it's just like you continue to walk. But I want you to look what it says next. Look at verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. It says, well, Joseph was a slave to another. God was with him and he prospered. See, faith understands that you can prosper in any position, that even though I'm in a position as a slave, that God can still use me in significant ways. And some of you are so distracted by your position that you aren't believing that God can prosper you in it. And you're giving up on that season. And you're wasting it. And not allowing to God to do in it and through it what he wants to. You can prosper in any position when you live by faith. It says that he prospered him. He was with him. Even though he was a slave. Because you know what? God, God wastes nothing. And when you operate with faith... Even in an unfavorable position, God can grant you favor with the right people and use you in an amazing way. And there's some people in the room, can I just challenge you to do something? Remember, I'm your pastor and I love you, right? Say amen. Stop making excuses for why you can't flourish where you are. Go ahead, Rex. Rex wanted to clap me. He didn't. Stop making excuses for why you can't flourish where you are. I know your circumstance isn't ideal. I know you're not probably where you want to be or where you hope to be. But could I submit to you, God is still with you and can still use you right in the season you're in. Because he doesn't waste anything. Every season has significance when you walk through it by faith. I don't know that you believe me, but it's true. And you know something I've learned? I think I've said this for this platform. You can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. You can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. And sometimes, if you'll quit making excuses, you can start making some progress. They, you know what? Joseph could have said, I am a slave in Egypt, and just a few days ago, I was the apple of my dad's eye. God, we're done. I will not anymore. I, I followed you, and I was faithful to you, and I, I listened to you, and I was obedient to you, and this is where I'm supposed to be. You know how I many people in my life and in my ministry, I've watched them have, take that position and that attitude. I, Matt, I tried that God thing. I read my Bible. I showed up at church, and I still lost my job. I did all these things, and I prayed, and I was in faith, and all this crazy stuff is still happening to me in, in, in my life. And it can wear on your faith, but if you live by faith, you, you acknowledge that by faith, prosperity can come in any position. And see, what the enemy wants you to do is get distracted by your position so that you can't see the prosperity that can come if you will walk by faith. Amen. God wastes nothing. God wastes nothing. Look at, look at verse 3 and 4, chapter 39. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. See, God, God allowed, 
God allowed Joseph to continue to progress and move forward even in this position, even though it wasn't ideal, even though it didn't seem favorable to others, because he, he continued to walk in faith. By faith, prosperity can come in any position. The next thing I see from, jo- from Joseph's story is by faith, persecution can lead to a platform. By faith, persecution can lead to a platform. See, here Joseph, he finds himself in Pharaoh's house. But Pharaoh has an interesting wife. And now this is what the Bible says about Joseph in chapter 39, verses 6 and 7. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, like Josh Bowers down here, well-built and handsome man right there. Look at that. It says Joseph was a well-built, handsome man, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. I love the Bible. It's awesome. So here Joseph is walking by faith. He's, he's doing the things that are need to be done. He's being obedient to God, and God is granting him favor, and, and, and good things are happening. But then you got this trifling woman. That's <laughs> what she is. And she starts to kind of pursue Joseph. Now here's the thing. When you're in an unfavorable position, that's when Satan will try to tempt you the most. Because he'll use that position to distract you from what you don't have and give you something that you don't need. And so most of us in this point think, well, she's a beautiful woman, and this whole following God thing hadn't worked out. I'm just going to have some pleasure in the moment. Momentary pleasure is what's brought down a whole lot of people in this world. Come on. But Joseph continues to walk in obedience, and he refuses to give in. No matter what her advances, she comes at him multiple times. So much one time, she grabs a hold of him, and he tears off, and it tears his clothes. And because she is so scorned and upset and can't believe that a man would dare say no to her, she goes to her husband and says, that attendant of yours, Joseph, he assaulted me, and we need to do something about it. And it says in verse 19 of chapter 39, when his master heard the story, His wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph's reward for being faithful, prison. Walk by faith, end up in prison. Walk by faith, be falsely accused. Walk by faith, and it'll all work out great. But let's check this out. Verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, what does it say? The Lord was, what? Was with him. See, no matter how bad the position Joseph finally felt he was in, the one place he was never, ever going to be was abandoned by his God. It says he showed him kindness. Kindness in prison? And granted him what? Favor. Favor in the eyes of the prison warden. What if walking by faith means sometimes favor will look like failure? 
Come on. What if when you walk by faith, there are times in your life that favor looks like failure? See, there's some people in the room, you've been walking by faith, and you failed at something that you tried to do, and that failure is killing you, but maybe God allowed you to fail now because what he has for you in the future is so much greater than it would have been if you'd have succeeded there. says he ends up in prison. This persecution from doing what's right, he did what's right, and it ended up in prison. But look what happens in chapter 40, verse 32. See, what happens eventually is a cupbearer shows up in prison with, with, with Joseph and tells them about Pharaoh's dream. And says, Pharaoh's had this dream, couldn't interpret it. He tells him about the dream. And then the chief bear was going to go, and he's going to tell Pharaoh that, hey, he's met this guy that's interpreted this dream. And the, the cupbearer goes back, and he tells him about the dream, but he forgets to mention Joseph. Says the, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And Joseph would spend the next two years in prison. And for two years, we don't know what happened. See, sometimes... You'll be living in favor, and it will feel like God has forgotten you. Because, and if the enemy can get can you convinced that you've been forgotten, then you will stop walking by faith. This is what I've learned. The freeway of faith will have many exit ramps along the journey. Come on, this is good preaching, I'm telling you. The freeway of, when, when, you, when you walk by faith, life will constantly offer you an exit ramp. Oh, you living by faith? Oh, it ain't worked out like you hoped? Well, you know what? Why don't you just try this direction? Go this way. Sleep with, with Potiphar's wife. It'll feel good. It'll be great. Just go ahead and do it. Oh, you walking by faith? You ended up in prison? Forget about God. No longer try to serve him. Don't pray to him anymore. Give up on him. Oh, it's been two years and you've been left there and the chief cupbearer forgot you? Give up. Take, see, life's constantly, if you're going to walk the freeway of faith, if you're going to travel this, there's, life's going to constantly throw you an exit ramp. And sometimes those exit ramps are going to be really, really tempting and really, really pretty and really, really good and really, really desirable. And the question will be, will you stay the course? Because if you will, even the greatest persecution can put you in the greatest platform. Because, see, eventually that cupbearer would return. And once again, invite Joseph to step before Pharaoh because Pharaoh would have another dream. And when Pharaoh has this dream, this cupbearer says, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. We were cellmates a couple years ago. And he was pretty good at interpreting dreams. His name was Joseph. Why don't we bring him back here? And Pharaoh had had this vision, this dream. And Joseph comes up and he tells him about what this dream really meant and all that it was supposed to be and about this famine that's going to happen and that here you're going to have seven years of fruitful and seven years of famine and you need to get prepared and you need to do all this kind of stuff. And because of that, Joseph ends up being put second in command of the greatest power in the known world at the time. And he ends up in a position not only to save the nation of Egypt, but also to save the nation of Israel. Because at some point, his brothers, when this famine would hit, would come back and they would stand before him and he would be able to grant them favor that would save his family's life. Because faith always finishes in favor. That you might go through pits and prisons, but eventually you will end up in the palace. I had a preacher tell me one time, if it's not good, God's not done. 
that he's still working because by faith, perseverance will experience the promise. If you will persevere in faith, you will experience God's promises and he will put you in a position. Do you see what just happened? If his brothers don't hate him and throw him into slavery, he never ends up in Potiphar's house. If Potiphar's wife doesn't make the moves on him and he rejects it and then accuse him of assault, he doesn't end up in prison. If he doesn't end up in prison, he never meets this cupbearer. If he never meets this cupbearer, he never gets the chance to stand before Pharaoh and interpret the dream which would lead to the salvation of his entire people. And if I'm Joseph, you're thinking, you know what? If I got to go through a pit and a prison one day to save everybody I love, I would do it. And see, right now you're going through something. And it's painful and it's frustrating and you're seeing the exit ramps and it's thinking, you're thinking, it's time to get out of here. But what I want to challenge you to do today is have the faith to see the big picture. That if you're going to walk by faith, if you're going to persevere, you will experience the promise. It is going to come at some point if you will continue to walk by faith. But if you let the pain and the persecution and all the other things that you're going to experience along the way get the best of you, you'll give up, you'll abandon God, and you'll never experience all the amazing things that he had planned for your future. And see, I feel like there's some people in the room, number one, somewhere along the way you got off. You took the exit ramp. And maybe today is your first even attempt to possibly think about coming back. Can I just encourage you? Come back. You know the cool thing about our God? He always lets you back on the freeway. Not like those jerks who won't get over when you're trying to get on. Isn't that God's always there to welcome you back. And no matter how big of a detour that you've had, you know what he's saying? Come on back. Or maybe there's people here, and you know what? You're in that season you are paralyzed by pain or you're experiencing some form of persecution and it's about to break you and you're about to give up and maybe you just need to hear, stay the course. Don't give up because what God has for your future, if you'll stay, will be worth it. Let Joseph be a reminder of that. I think if you went to Joseph on his deathbed and said, Joseph, they hated you and they threw you in the pit. Joseph, you spent all those years abandoned in prison. Was it worth it? You know what he would say? Absolutely. Absolutely. James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Will you let perseverance finish its work? Will you continue to walk by faith when God's favor comes in a form that is not fun, it's frustrating, it feels like failure? Stay the course. You me tell you how? You me tell you how? Praise him. Worship him. In the time when you feel like praising the least is when the time you need to worship the most. The best thing that you can do 
when you're going through the season that feels like it's going to kill you, the seasons that's threatening to get you to walk away from your faith, is to praise his name, to lift up his name, to shout out glory to him, to speak truth in, up into the, the, the resources of heaven and call it down so that you can know that he is real and so God inhabits the praises of his people. So that's what I want to challenge you to do today. Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to worship. And let me, I just want to hear a chorus of voices sing out through this room. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Well, if you're here and you say, you know what, Matt? Somewhere along the way I got off. The exit ramp seemed more appealing, appealing than staying on the freeway. And I know God's calling me back. He's allowing me to come back. And, and, and you're just, and that's you today. You say, you know what, I'm coming back. Will you just throw up your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm coming back. I've been on a detour, but I'm coming back. Keep them up. Keep them up high. Keep them up high. I've been on a detour, but I'm coming back. I've been on a detour, but I'm coming back because I know I can, because I know it's better. I know it's worth it. I know I, I should have never got off, but I did, but I want to come back. Amen. 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 You can put them down. Or maybe you're here and you say, man, I've been on the freeway, but man, it's been hard to stay on. <laughs> it's been so hard to stay on. And I, feel, I feel the temptation to take the exit ramp. And you want to say, Matt, would you just pray for me that I'd have the strength to stay the course? If that's you, would you just throw your hand up? Throw your hand up. Just pray that I'd have the strength to stay the course. It's getting hard. Staying on, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And I just want to see God show up in my life and give me strength and power and hope and the things that I need to stay the course. Father, thank you for these hands, Lord. God, I thank you for people who are willing to be honest and transparent. And God, I pray that as we sing your praises today, even though maybe there's people in the room who don't really feel like it, because the things they're experiencing are hard, harder than they thought they would be. That walking by faith is challenging the very fiber of their being, and they feel like they're just going to be torn apart. God, I pray that you would use this time of worship to draw people into you, and that you would have it this room, and you would speak to people's minds and hearts, God. And for those who are coming back, God, thank you that you're a God of comebacks, that you're a God of multiple chances, that there's never a thing that we can do to separate ourselves from your love. So God, I pray that as we worship you today and we cry out and we sing your praises, Lord, that you would inhabit our praise and minister to our spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.